Morning, Glory America. Bonjour. Hi, Canada. Hugh Hewitt on this memorable August Friday morning. I am inside the Beltway, joined by Matt Spaulding. He is dean of the Steve and Amy Van Andale Graduate School of Government at Hillsdale College, operates in Washington, D.C. The Graduate School of Government teaches prudence and statesmanship. And yesterday we had such an example in the historic agreement between Israel, the United Arab Emirates, brokered by President Trump. Matt Spaulding, welcome, Dean. Good morning. Your reaction to yesterday's news. Good morning. Good morning, Hugh. Um, This is indeed a historic uh, day and week and I think a time given this this agreement. I I actually think this is a vast vast, significant on many fronts, uh, historical, strategic, political. I mean, the fact that the uh, his his um, leader of the opposition party, uh, Joe Biden, who's running against him in, a, in an election coming up, praised the agreement, signals that, I think. And I think it's even of larger uh, theological importance, given that region and its long history. I, I think there's a vast... Um, uh, array of things to, to, to consider here. I was just earlier talking with my uh, my wife, Elizabeth, who's a great Truman scholar, reminding me of uh, the uh, United States inheritance of essentially the, Bal- the Balfour Declaration, the recognition of Israel in 1948, and the relationship in that, um, that region and, and the role the United States plays strategically and, and politically. So I, I think this is very significant. Uh, the um, one thing that strikes me, I was reading all the documents uh, the other night uh, after it came out, and in the announcement, I don't think it's actually in some of the other documents, but uh, President Trump refers to this as the Abraham Accord. I don't know if you saw that, Hugh. The yeah, Abraham Robert O'Brien was just on. He called it the Abraham Accord in, in Islam, the uh, uh, Abram Accord in Israel, and the Abraham Accord in the United right. States. Yeah, exactly. And so the but the, the 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 recognition of that because remember Abraham it's not just this is not merely the the uh, the Jewish people and the Arab people this is the the Jewish people the Arab people and the Christians there's yes. it's the three great faiths which pulls them all together so I, I think there's a there's this is a uh, widely significant agreement that is a a breakthrough this was done on different terms. This changed the geopolitical strategic situation, uh, what was historically called the Eastern question, right, the, the great power competition in the Middle East. Uh, but it, just, it, it broke the normal way. Normally, we put the, the, the Jews and the Arabs together head-to-head and make them we, – we present ourselves as the, as the arbiter of their fight. Uh, this took a very different approach. This, this Jared Kushner went a different way. This was a, 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 an economic deal as well that drew in the economic powers in the Arab world. It's isolated the terrorists. Um, so all the different parts of this, I think it's, 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 it's brilliantly done going back to that, uh, the, the administration's plan that came out at the beginning of the year. But also remember, and we talked about this, I think, uh, when, it, when it happened, uh, the president's speech in Saudi Arabia. Yes. That was the precursor to this. That, you go back, and I read that last night. Go back and read it. He just attacks the terrorists as barbarians and makes a distinction between that barbaric approach and the civilized approach of uh, other nations that uh, seek peace, that seek their religious liberty, and seek their, the welfare of their people. That, if you look at that in light of this, it's, it's really been 
a, a setup to get to this point, which is, uh, I, I have to tip my hat, uh, largely unexpected, um, at least this immediate thing, and, and extremely successful, and I think strategically and historically, uh, the, not only the, the, a great accomplishment of the Trump foreign policy, but of, of you know, worldwide significance, historical significance. Uh, I'm talking with Dean Matt Spaulding of Hillsdale's and Andale School of Government in Washington, D.C. All things Hillsdale are found at hillsdale.edu, by the way. Uh, Matt Spaulding, I, I rarely uh, bring up Thomas Friedman on my show. I don't disagree with him. It's just it's sort of uh, uh, blue bubble conventional wisdom. But Thomas Friedman's column this morning begins, for once, I'm going to agree with President Trump in his use of his favorite adjective, huge. The agreement brokered by the Trump administration for the United Arab Emirates to establish full normalization of relations with Israel in return for the Jewish state foregoing for now any annexation of the West Bank was exactly what Trump said it was in his tweet, a huge breakthrough. Uh, He goes on to say it's not uh, as big as Camp David or as big as the Oslo Accords, but it is close, he writes. Just go down the scorecard you see how this deal affects every major party in the region with those in the pro-American, pro-moderate Islam, pro-ending the conflict with Israel once and for all camp, benefiting the most, and those in the radical pro-Iran, anti-American, pro-Islamist, permanent struggle with Israel camp, all becoming more isolated and left behind. It's a geopolitical earthquake, he concludes, to fully appreciate why you need to, why you need to start with the internal dynamics of the deal It was Trump's peace plan drawn up by Jared Kushner and their willingness to stick with it that actually recreated the raw material for this breakthrough. And then Friedman goes on to explain that that Jared and the president created an asset out of nothing, a peace plan that they could then trade away in part to get the peace deal. It's pretty brilliant. That's actually a pretty good article. Um, No, that's that's a good article. I I, I actually um, I, I actually happen to think this is. As significant as the uh, you know Kissinger shuttle diplomacy that led eventually to the Camp David Accords, I'm I'm, I'm extremely impressed by this, uh, and I think uh, it's it really kind of raises itself to that level. I mean, think about it the 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 normal way uh, the United States in the in the last couple of decades has approached this question is this is a conflict between the the, the Jews. Uh, and especially the, the Arabs really mean the Palestinians. And we're just constantly trying to broker a back and forth between them. This really looks and, and kind of upsets that whole table, looks at it differently. And instead of following that blueprint, which of late has been a failure, uh, they, they kind of went around that by going to the uh, United Arab Emirates, Behind which is Saudi Arabia. Keep in mind, and and those moderate, more moderate regimes who have an economic interest in peace in the Middle East. It's it's completely it turns that around, and I think opens up uh, the door of a much larger possibility to to rethink and and have a, a new way of approaching uh, this whole question. And yeah, it, 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 it 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 just it recasts it in terms of who's going to grow the fastest. Who's going to do the most? Uh, hot, the, you know, startup nation Israel. And the UAE is known as the most dynamic economy among the Arab economies. It is the it, least it, bureaucratic. It, it's the banker. It, UAE, that's the banker of the region. Yeah. Right. These are the money people. So they, they think about I, I think this is going to lead to a gold rush in the Middle East. Right now, Israel cannot trade with the Arab countries and the Arab countries do not trade with Israel. 
This broke yeah. that open. Think of, think of the economic surge that will uh, feed this, which will further isolate the terrorists who have their money goes away. It completely isolates them, Iran and its proxies. And then there's going to be this huge surge of, of interest tying this all together, which is going to be for the good of all these other regimes. Uh, and one would, move. one would expect, and we'll come back after the break and talk about this, Bahrain and Oman, Ambassador O'Brien would not commit to that, obviously, in the segment he just concluded on the show before you came on. But it, it's clear that if they do follow quickly, uh, that all the Middle East is open for business except for Iran. And that just continues to isolate Iran, and that is great. No, which is why getting out of the Iranian deal was a uh, necessary precursor to this, this, this agreement. So it, it all fits together as a piece. This is part of the Middle East strategy now falling into place. And, and, and you know, when you get Joe Biden admitting it, that it's a breakthrough, we're going to have to talk about the political consequences of it. But I did notice that this, the, the JCPOA wake crowd, led by Ben Rhodes and others, are still mourning the demise of the appeasement deal. It's sort of like mourning Munich uh, in 1941, <laughs> right? The, you know, the worst deal in the world has been replaced by a breakthrough deal. One minute to the break, Matt Spaulding. Uh, no, that's right. I think, I think the politics of this are extremely significant. The fact that uh, Vice President Biden praised it without really praising President Trump, of course. He praised it, but Rashid Tlaib, she doesn't like the deal. She's opposed it. Um, it, it potentially splits that, that coalition, uh, and they've got a vested interest in defending what was the status quo, the failed approach, which I think this has gone around. And, and I think they're, they're realizing that this is a great strategic victory. It'll have vast political implications, in my opinion. I'll be right back with Dean Matt Spaulding of the Hillsdale Graduate School in D.C. All things Hillsdale are collected at hillsdale.edu. All of our previous Hillsdale dialogues are found at hughforhillsdale.com. Go nowhere, America. I'll be right back on the Friday edition of the Hugh Hewitt Show. Welcome back, America. It's Hugh Hewitt. The Hillsdale Dialogue is underway this Friday in August. I'm joined by Dean Matt Spaulding, who leads the Hillsdale Graduate program in government inside the Beltway. All things Hillsdale at hillsdale.edu. Dean Spaulding, before we go to the politics of uh, of the Trump peace deal, that he the art of the deal between UAE and Israel, I want to review how this sort of thing happened. Israel founded in 1948, immediately attacked by its Arab neighbors. Subsequent wars in 1956 and 1967, leading up to the surprise attack on Israel in 1973 by both Syria and Egypt. In the aftermath of Israel's, uh, Nixon said, sent everything that can fly. They fought their way to a stalemate and then began Nixon, Kissinger, and then Ford, Kissinger, diplomacy, uh, shuttle diplomacy, which eventually led, even after Carter won, to the Camp David Accords. Then it was from 1978 till 1994 until another Arab state uh, uh, signed a peace deal, Jordan, with Israel. And now it's been another 25 years. So really, that's all one event. It is, as you said earlier, the settling of Israel onto the map. It is the oh. fruition of Churchill's dream. I mean, the, the Balfour right. Declaration. Well, no, the ba- and the Balfour Declaration, which, uh, remember, Churchill was the um, uh, in charge of the Middle East in the 1920s. That's where he learned some of his uh, early geostrategic lessons. No, no, you're, you're right. The, the, the history of Israel is part of this. And this is what I meant earlier when the the uh, diplomacy after the Yom Kippur War and, and Kissinger that eventually led to the Camp David Accords 
And that diplomatic breakthrough, which was when Egypt established diplomatic relations with Israel, followed, as you nicely laid it out there, later by, by Jordan, not till 1994. This is, is, this is why this is so vastly significant and can't be, can't be understated. We, we, we oftentimes refer to the peace process as if the process is the objective and the end. Um, no, the, the, the end here is having peaceful regimes in the Middle East, but also standing by the, the, our democratic ally in the Middle East. And this, is what, this is why the Harry Truman uh, reference is important. In 1948, he saw the importance of Israel, not only as the, the continuation of the Palestinian homeland, but also the establishment of democracy in the Middle East. And so within minutes, he recognized Israel. Um, here's why, uh, to kind of lead into our conversation of, of politics here, here's why I think the, the, the democratic, the, the, the modern liberal approach to this, and particularly the Obama administration, uh, misunderstood how this process worked and what was ha- what was going to happen here. That, that 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 approach always sees the the person, in this case President Obama, as the as the great uh, figure that brings them together, and their sense of justice is going to bring peace uh, in this process. But that misunderstands America's role here. America, when you think back to that history of Truman and and uh, after the Yom Kippur War and the role it played. The United States is, is underwriting the security risks of a peace deal, especially for Israel. It's a different way of looking at our relationship with that region of the world. And, and that's what has been long misunderstood. And I think this agreement, which harkens back, I think, to the, 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 the things leading up to the Camp David Accords, uh, the, the, the Nixon, uh, Kissinger, and Ford uh, uh, strategic thinking, that's the parallel, I think, here. This, this looks at it, I think, correctly, which is what is America's role here? It's not to be the arbiter between fighting, um, uh, fighting people. It's to be a, um, a, a tip on the scale, if you will, uh, to, as a guarantor, not only of this democratic ally, but also the security risks involved with coming to this, this peace deal. We make it possible for Israel to make those um, uh, put things on the table they might not want to or, or probably shouldn't if Absolutely. they weren't there. Absolutely. And we also make it possible for those Arab nations to come to the table as well because we're such a large economic and military player in the world. When we come back, we'll talk about the implications for 2020. I do want to note when Matt Spaulding mentions Truman in 1948, it reminds me a century earlier in 1848, Lord Palmerston, British statesman, then prime minister, said, we have no eternal allies, referring to the United Kingdom. We have no eternal allies. We have no perpetual enemies. Our interests are eternal and perpetual. And those interests, it is our duty to follow. The United States has an interest in peace. Donald Trump advanced it yesterday. Beneficiaries are the world. Everyone who should be angry is Iran and the terrorists. But everybody else, happy. Matt Spaulding will return. We'll talk about the implications for 2020 when we resume the Hillsdale Dialogue right after this. Welcome back, America. Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, just tweeting out from his Twitter account. Welcome to new followers from the UAE and the Gulf countries. It's Hugh Hewitt. The Hillsdale Dialogue is underway. I'm joined by... 
The dean of the Hilldale Graduate School in Washington, D.C., the Van Andale School of Government, inside the Beltway, formerly known as the Kirby Center. Actually, it's still the Kirby Center. There's a graduate school of government in it now. All things Hillsdale, including the course offerings and the application materials for the graduate program, are found at hillsdale.edu. Okay, Matt Spaulding, the Iran, I mean the Israel uh, UAE peace deal doesn't occur in a vacuum. It occurs in the middle of a presidential campaign. And I have yep. never seen a opposing candidate have to acknowledge a diplomatic blockbuster the way that Joe Biden did yesterday. But there's really no choice. My question to you, does it have any impact on the election? Mm. Well, you're right about that. I mean, uh, uh, he's recognized this blockbuster he had to. And I think, a uh, to use the term, right, the, the Trump has really stolen a march on his critics here. I think the extent to which this really becomes representative of the uh, Trump foreign policy, it's it's very significant. Whether the the particulars of how it plays out, I suppose, is another question. But think broadly here for a moment. Uh, his opponent has recognized the the vast magnitude of this agreement, which, by all accounts, I think is is not debatable. The key part here, I think, is what were the precursors that made this agreement possible. That's, I think, where, where the politics get very interesting here. Because two things I think were absolutely necessary. One is the, uh, the backing out of the Iran nuclear deal and um, uh, undermining and isolating Iran and its, its proxies. So that's now uh, front and center on the table in a way that it wasn't because of the success of this agreement. But the other thing that I think is the uh, important agreement uh, precursor here that is that is behind all of this that makes it possible, again, going back to our historical examples, is the reestablishment of, of strength and the establishment that the United States has uh, Israel's back in having these negotiations. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, the, the moving of the embassy to Jerusalem uh, and al- along with the taking out of Soleimani and, and uh, you know, those things, I think, are important signals in Middle East politics that made this possible. And al-Baghdadi and, and the and, recognition and, 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 of the annexation. American politics as well. Yeah. yeah they're, they're, he's been a policy of strength for four years, not only the Jerusalem embassy, not only recognizing the annexation of Golan Heights, but taking out Soleimani, taking out al-Baghdadi, getting rid of ISIS. So, so here's, here's the package problem for, for the Biden campaign. Is it, 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 it is a package. It's not merely, that was a great agreement, let's move on. That was a great agreement because of those policies which have been building. Yes. And so I, I think yeah. this is actually a, a, a breakthrough. And, and then behind that, I think, is the, the larger uh, point, which I, I think when you look, especially when we go back to those, those great speeches that we've praised in, in Saudi Arabia, but also the Poland speech and elsewhere, um, behind that, there's now a clear distinction between how modern liberalism and this new kind of Trump doctrine looks at the world, which is they, they make distinctions between regime types and between between friends and enemies. They've found some friends in the Middle East who can make agreements based on common interests. Why this deal works. Behind that, however, is American strength. But at the same time, to, to make our parallel broader here, the, this, this foreign policy also makes renewed distinctions between friends and our enemies in cases like 
uh, you know, regimes that are fundamentally opposed to, to where, what we're doing, like China. So I think this is part and partial a piece, really the centerpiece of a larger picture of foreign policy, which if that really becomes front and center, and this great, uh, tri- you know, this great strategic triumph – uh, in this agreement is the is the kind of the centerpiece of the positive piece of it. I think that creates uh, some some difficulties uh, arguing about uh, the that aspect of this campaign having to do with with foreign policy. I don't think they can merely agree this is nice, put it under the rug, let's move on. Th- this really is earth shattering, and they're going to have to deal with that. Yeah, you know, small achievements lead to big things. Uh, the uh, National Security Advisor mentioned last hour that MBZ and the UAE were instrumental in returning to the United States a hostage in Yemen, Danny Birch. Uh, That happened two and a half years ago when now National Security Advisor O'Brien was the special envoy for hostage affairs. Uh, He worked and worked and worked that deal with the assistance of the UAE and got that hostage back. That Small things matter a lot, Matt Spaulding, and you're right. It's all of a piece, all of this stuff about supporting Israel, about opposing Iran, about acting. But there are also small constructive things. I don't know how many times Brian Hook and Pompeo have been to the region. It's a four-year culmination. That, well, and you, then you go back and reread the, 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 the Saudi Arabia speech when he begins there. He, they brought all those Arab leaders together at that summit. They were all there. And Trump's talking to them like friends and making relationships. That stuff really matters. And now we're it's paying off. Uh, but this has been, you know, three years. It's been years in the making. Uh, and so the significance of that, and then you add to that the, the, the breakthrough this, this, that this causes. I mean, regardless of who wins the election, this is, I think, locked in. Uh, this is the equivalent of of the uh, previous administration, in the case of Nixon and Ford administrations, setting up something which will play into the next administration regardless of who wins. Th- this is monumentally important. But having said that, it occurs, the fact that it occurred within this administration in the midst of this prior to election, uh, I-, I think will have uh, ramifications for that as well, because the, 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 the moment which shows the, the fruit of all this work has occurred now. Now, Matt, and, I got to ask you though. I, I watched Twitter yesterday, uh, aware of the historic significance of this, uh, and saw more tweets about the postal service and mail-in right. ballots than I did about an accord between Israel and Little Sparta. I mean, it's just, it's astonishing to me. The bubble doesn't want to admit that Trump not only scored a huge diplomatic win, but a historic win. Those are different things, right? Those are different things. The accord between Turkey and the Kurds is one thing. This is, you know, airlines going back and forth from Dubai and uh, uh, the other Emirates to Israel. Right, right. No, that, that, that's right. And, and look, we... This is always the the, the challenge of uh, democracy, especially modern democracy in, in the world of Twitter, uh, but also in a very partisan environment. Uh, do we see things for what they are? That, that's why I, I, I was struck by, and I think it's extremely significant, that the, the nominee of the other party running against him uh, re- recognized this stuff. Just that move in and it of itself, can you imagine in a – in a presidential debate, uh, if one occurs, uh, you know, putting this on the table, that's a monumental thing to sweep under the rug. 
uh, and I think it does have uh, have significance. Look, the the criticism of, of of President Trump is that he's a bull in a china cabinet, doesn't know what he's doing in the world, uh, is withdrawing everywhere, and yet we now have before us, um, I think this and actually what's going on in China put together a a, a positive and a negative strategic example of of how one should act in the world, thinking strategically about the nature of particular regimes and how a democracy like the United States goes about the world, making making deals, helping deals between uh, uh, regimes that can make make agreements based on common interests, uh, economic and democratic interests, uh, as opposed to a regime uh, like the American regime also looking at and being able to see a different type of regime in, in China that pre- presents a strategic threat. And both of those things, I think, are coming to the point where it's it's really clear, and in this case, with this agreement, crystal clear, that that policy now has uh, has a fulfillment, it has fruit that is now meaningful in a way that I think will have uh, – impossible not to have political implications, recognizing that it's got to break through, but it's hard not to uh, see that breakthrough for someone who's really – really listening and watching for what is, you know, what's going well, on. Someone like, who's I'm not listening is, is Rashid Tlaib, Congresswoman, and it exposed the split in the Democratic Party. Congresswoman Tlaib, of uh, Democrat from Detroit area, criticized the deal yesterday as another Trump-Netanyahu deal that will not allevi- alleviate Palestinian suffering. So she represents the BDS movement, right? There is a left wing within the Democratic Party that just hates Israel hates Israel, and they will not be applauding any move towards peace in the region because they're extremists. And, you know, Hamas and Hezbollah, they want Israel to be erased from the map. And the Democrats, we've got a minute, Matt, the Democrats don't know what to do with this now. They've got a problem on their hands. No, this is what I was alluding to earlier, right? If if you want to think about the the politics of it uh, very directly, you want to divide your critics. And I think just the sheer um, uh, strategic move of this has forced any good observer to recognize this is a great deal. And it's called out those who are critics of not the deal per se, but the regime behind it, not only America, but Israel. Uh, And that, I think, has political ramifications for the Democratic Party as they continue to try to figure out uh, whether they're going to follow their radical base or try to hew, if they can, to some sort of moderate Democratic position, which is increasingly difficult for them. Very, very difficult. When we come back, we'll talk about Donald Trump generally and what to expect from a second term. He told me earlier this week that if he wins, he'll have a deal with Iran within a week. A little bit of hyperbole there, but we'll talk with Matt Spaulding about that. Welcome back, America. It's Hugh Hewitt, joined by Matt Spaulding, uh, Dean of the Hillsdale Graduate Program in D.C. All things Hillsdale are at hillsdale.edu. Matt, I have to read you two tweets that just came out. Richard Grinnell, um, 11 hours ago, tweeted, We are happy to announce that the leaders of Kosovo and Serbia will meet at the White House for negotiation on September 2. And then less than a minute ago, Secretary Pompeo announced the Trump administration remains committed to bringing home all U.S. citizens held hostage or wrongfully detained overseas. Austin Tice's release and return home are long, long overdue. We will do our utmost to achieve our goal. I mean, they just don't stop. Uh, It's remarkable. 
Well, look, so the um – uh, let's put put this in, in, in context again for a moment. Uh, by, by the way, Austin Texas has been in Syria since 2012, right? Uh, right uh, but I, I think we're we're in a in, in a moment, if you will. Every one of the things we we teach about here is grand strategy. Re- regimes have grand strategies. The Romans, the Greeks, the, the Americans do too. Uh, and our grand strategy uh, has always been. Uh, what are America's interests? This region, what, are, what is good for our country? That's our primary obligation. But we've got to think about the nature of this regime, which is based on equality and consent and the rule of law. Um, and every once in a while, the, the strategic situation, uh, which is confusing and messy and dangerous, actually leads to strategic clarity. And once you have strategic clarity, that oftentimes brings uh, things like agreements and breakthroughs. Uh, think of uh, John Quincy Adams and the Monroe Doctrine, or, or we ta- already talked about Truman in the Middle East, but more particularly about the beginnings of the Cold War and confronting the Soviet Union, or Ronald Reagan uh, at the end of the, the, the Cold War and the Reagan Doctrine. I, I think we're in one of those moments where, where a, a, a inchoate doctrine at the beginning has really come now become clear in terms of its meaning. Uh, what we might call the Trump doctrine, uh, in which uh, there's a uh, resurgence of, of a consideration of what are America's interests. Um, but behind that is that America's interests, which are primary, also include a broader sense of what this this particular regime is about at, at its core meeting, hence this debate about uh, Americanism and, and the, the nature of uh, our principles. Um, but but that strategic clarity, which this agreement puts an exclamation point on, that strategic clarity, I think, will necessarily lead to other breakthroughs. Because not only is it clear to us, which is why there are political ramifications, but it's clear to the rest of the world what this regime now stands for in the world. And so the the accusation that that this is all unclear and nothing's going on, what this what, it's become clear all of a sudden. And, and we, when we are, the president told friends me in their interest and we're we're opposed to our enemies. Uh, and I think the what's going on in China and Asia and what's going on in the Middle East. Put those two things together. I think that that picture is very clear to a lot of other nations who will now uh, follow that lead. Yeah. On Tuesday, the president was my guest and he's I asked him, what what about China and Iran? And he says, if I get reelected, we'll have a deal with Iran within a week. Now, hyperbole, obviously, is his style. It's his coin. Right. But what he's saying is when the world sees that I've got four more years, they're going to believe in a way that, you know, obviously UAE and Israel believe this week. No, that's right. Look, there are how do you get strategic agreements in the world? This this is the problem of of international relations. These are other countries. They have their own laws, their own ways, their own regimes. You get agreements by either with your friends with whom you can have common agreements. So we have a special relationship with England or you know countries that are fellow democracies. Other countries, you have to have some other reason. You have you have to create the conditions where you can have a common interest which is, I think, is what happened with this agreement, backed by American strength, or you recognize the fact that we can't have those, we can't have those type of agreements with some regimes, Iran, I think increasingly China, but we've got to have a strategic balance so we can at least prevent the outbreak of hostilities. 
I think this uh, it's now apparent that this uh, this administration thinks in those terms, which I would argue are the terms of uh, the tradition of American grand strategy, going back to some of its greatest enunciators, um, unlike the muddled thinking that really dominated, I, th- I think, both m- some of much of modern republicanism and modern liberalism uh, that didn't look at the world that way. It turns out that uh this this uh this administration which you know came in with uh, few friends in either party and and was this populist movement actually uh has presented a world a world view which is really much more like the older world view which i think is much more in accord with american thinking and yep. uh it's great to see that but this this accord i think is it shows that and their broader view of uh, the rest of the world. And I think you're right. If that's carried out for another four years, I think a lot of other things are going to fall into place, which will have vast strategic uh, importance. The long, long, long-term benefits. Dean Matt Spaulding of the Hillsdale Graduate School inside of the Beltway. Thank you. All things Hillsdale are found at hillsdale.edu. Go and sign up for Imprimus if you haven't already. Support a college that supports freedom around the world. All of our conversations at HughForHillsdale.com. And I want to thank Adam and Harley and Ben and Dwayne. And I will be back on Monday with the next Hugh Hewitt Show.